Welcome into Outkick the Show. I'm your fearless leader, Clay Travis. I hope all of you are having fantastic Tuesdays, wherever you may be across this great country or around the world. We appreciate all of you for hanging out with us. We got a lot to dive into as we do every single Tuesday. Uh, we will start with NFL Week reactions. Yesterday was all about college football, the playoff picture. Uh, and everything else, as we always do on Monday, reacting to the week that was in college football. Tuesday, reacting to everything that happened in the NFL, plus drama in the American political races as Nikki Haley gets a major endorsement and is going head-to-head with Ron DeSantis over who is going to be the Republican primary candidate to challenge Donald Trump. Uh, Hunter Biden agrees to testify, but with conditions. Um, Blackface at the... Kansas City Chiefs game, an elementary school kid defamed falsely by the idiots at Deadspin. We will discuss Sports Illustrated, which used to be an august publication that everyone cared about, now uses AI articles and makes up writers, according to an allegation. And I will get you rich with nine college football title game picks. All of that coming in your direction. But we begin with... The NFL week that was, what did we learn as we always do from every game that took place during the week in the NFL? I didn't react to the Thanksgiving Day games because I wasn't on Friday. Uh, and so let me hit this right off the top. My wife is from Michigan. The Lions were 8-2 and two for the first time since John F. Kennedy was still alive in 1962. This was a moment in time where if you were a Lions fan, you were thinking to yourself, things have never been better. The faux Green Bay Packers that have beaten you time after time with Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers are rolling into town, but now they have Jordan Love. They are not a particularly talented team. The Lions were over a touchdown favorite, and what did the Lions do? They did what they do best, disappointed their fans in a game that everyone was convinced they were going to win, including yours truly. We lost this on the gambling line. Um, This is crazy. Uh, Packers came in, dominated, took complete control of this game. Jared Goff continues to turn the ball over way too much. Two straight weeks where Jared Goff has not been able to take possession and control. And as a result, as he has played poorly, the Lions have struggled. They were fortunate to come back last week and beat the Bears in an NFC North matchup. They could not do the same this week uh, against the Packers. Packers get the win. Uh, Jordan Love, probably his best game so far as the starting quarterback for the Packers. Lions lose to fall to 8-3, and three, which historically is a great record, but losing on Thanksgiving, a tough blow to Lions fans, even if they're a bit used to it. Cowboys. Dak, uh, the bipolar nature of the Cowboys. This Cowboy offense on fire. Dak Prescott, four touchdown passes. Commanders never actually had a real chance in this one. Over 41 million people watched. I believe it's the second or third most watched regular season NFL game on record. The Cowboys always deliver ratings even when they are delivering a beatdown. Got the big interception return, which now has set a new record. You talk about records that are not going to be broken. To have played only, what is it, 11 games and for the Dallas Cowboys to have had uh, Kevontae Turpin has now returned, I believe it's six different passes for touchdowns. Maybe it's five. Whatever the number is, it's an all-time record in the NFL. We still have six games left. Uh, and to then, uh, sorry, Dal- uh, Dalton Bland, I think it was, uh, for him to make the choice. Uh, Dalton Bland, 
all-time record for interception returns. Turpin's wide receiver made the catch before. Uh, to get to 45, he hopped in. Remember when Ezekiel Elliott hopped in the Salvation Army uh, basket and celebrated there? They actually put turkey legs in the Salvation Army basket there that they put in the back of the end zone in Dallas to help raise money for the Salvation Army. It's a sign that the Washington Commanders are a totally disrespected franchise. When the Cowboys put turkey legs in that Salvation Army Bowl, the collecting bowl, to plan to celebrate when they got uh, a touchdown, I think they did it after the Turpin uh, touchdown catch from Dak Prescott because Dak was running around with a turkey leg eating it. That made it 38-10. to And then Jerron Bland got the 63-yard interception return to set the all-time record for interception returns. If you're a Cowboys fan, things have rarely been better. I know this is the kind of situation where inevitably they fall flat on their face, but this offense is for real. Dak is playing at a high level. Now, I know they haven't beaten great teams, and I know they managed to lose to the Cardinals earlier in the year, so there's reason for apprehension. But they have been not just winning. They've been wrecking people lately. Speaking of wrecking people, 49ers lost a few games. Everybody said, man, maybe the maybe the mystique uh, is gone here. Uh, Shanahan's maybe he's not going to be able to have as much success with Brock Purdy as everybody thought. Maybe George Kittle, Debo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey, that trio that is so uh, powerful and effective on the offensive side of the ball. Maybe they're not going to gel as completely with Brock Purdy as we expected. Guess what? 49ers starting to round into shape. Christian McCaffrey was dominant. Seahawks couldn't stop the run. And the 49ers rushed out to a 31-13 win, also for a cover in that one. That was Thursday football. And if your home is anything like my home, you watched at least some part of all of those games. The only time we weren't watching games was when the Travis boys were out playing football games with all the other kids. And you guys know I don't brag, don't draw attention to myself, just not the kind of thing I like to do. I was incredible as a dad quarterback in the Thanksgiving Day football games. Um, Just worked the field. I shared a video of it. Uh, Took what the defense gave me and then wasn't above using the old school dad pump fake, which I find that kids hop on. They're energetic. They're trying to make plays. They go for the pump fake. You've probably seen it in your own YMCA games, the old man style, slow moving, uh, the, the shot fake, the pump fake. It always works on the young whippersnappers. Worked. I did a triple pump fake, touchdown pass, fourth down. Again, not trying to brag or draw attention to myself, uh, but uh, but I was incredible. Um, and then on Friday, we watched games. We played again. Uh, the Dolphins whipped the Jets. Uh, Tua and company are the class right now of the uh, AFC East. Jets, we'll see whether Aaron Rodgers comes back or not. Uh, but when you are getting benched as Zach Wilson for a guy that even major college football fans like me are not very familiar for, uh, familiar with. Uh, when you are getting benched for Tim Boyle, which sounds like a made-up name. It sounds like somebody who you've never heard of before. Tim Boyle uh, threw 38 passes and only managed to go for 179 yards. That's tough to do. Uh, an average of four and a half yards a pass. You're throwing the ball underneath a lot. You're trying not to make mistakes. Uh, and the Jets are a uh, uh, basically defeated franchise. It's unfortunate that Aaron Rodgers tore his Achilles tendon and we never got to see what he could de- do with this team because I do think the offensive weaponry pretty good. Bengals are done. 
uh, now that Joe Burrow is out for the season. I don't believe in Kenny Pickett with the Pittsburgh Steelers, but they do have an elite defense, and they may be able to ride that elite defense into the playoffs. In fact, I think they will. Mike Tomlin always finds a way to get his team uh, even when they're getting outgamed, as the Steelers have been in virtually every game this season. Steelers hold on, get the 16-10 to win over the Bengals. Again, without Joe Burrow, I think the Bengals in the AFC North, which is, in my opinion, when you have healthy quarterbacks, uh, as particularly with the Bengals, probably the toughest division in football right now, uh, they are in trouble. Jags, this was a crazy one. I had the over in this game. Uh, the Jags-Texans game, Texans have a field goal to put this game basically into overtime to hit the over. Goes off the lower bar, uh, not the uprights, the crossbar. Bounces back. As a result, the Jags win. I've been saying for a while, I think it's true, the Jags are the class of the AFC South. But C.J. Stroud is going to be probably unanimous selection for Rookie of the Year. He has been phenomenal. He continues to play at a high level. Trevor Lawrence and the Jags, a bit enigmatic in terms of their performances. They got whipped pretty soundly uh, by the 49ers, but they are going to win this division. Uh, And they got revenge on the Texans, who came to town and beat them earlier in the year uh, with a win on the road in Houston. Colts get the win over the Bucks. Gardner Minshew, of course, taking over now for Anthony Richardson, who is out first-round draft pick uh, with a shoulder injury, stained in a game against the Titans. Bucks, Baker Mayfield, ah, they're just, they're not there. They just don't have that next gear. They're a probably 7-10 style team. Uh, not a complete disaster because they weren't great last year in the final year of Tom Brady, but Gardner Minshew, I think it's got the Colts on the verge of being a playoff contender down the stretch. Bit of an issue with Jonathan Taylor's health coming off of the Jonathan Taylor holdout. We'll see what happens with him. Uh, Falcons, boring team to watch. You all know they need to figure out what they're going to do at quarterback, but they got the win over the Saints, who are fading uh, quite fast. This is a big rivalry game between New Orleans and Atlanta, uh, and the Falcons get the win there. This is a, uh, what I would call close to the uh, the game of the, the the sadness bowl, which was my Titans playing against uh, the Carolina Panthers. But another version of the sadness bowl was the Giants beating the Patriots. Bill Belichick, without Tom Brady, is the most average NFL coach possible. If you ever wonder, this was a big debate for years and years in sports talk radio. If you had no topic and it was July and you just needed to have callers roll in to give you their take. It was a 50-50 issue. Who's more responsible for the Patriot dynasty for their six Super Bowl wins, Tom Brady or Bill Belichick? You could just throw open the phone lines. People would call in. It would be basically 50-50. It's all over. Tom Brady now unquestioned the reason why the Patriots won six Super Bowls, the most integral element of that dynasty. Belichick now sitting at two and nine, We don't even know if he's going to be back next year, whether the Patriots want him back, whether he wants to stay there. I will say Patriots solidly in the mix now to draft Caleb Williams out of USC, Drake May, Jaden Daniels shooting up the board, now probably going to be one of the top two finalist contenders. Bo Nix is out there. People are interested in him. Uh, But the Patriots clearly done with Mac Jones, who will be their pick going forward. We don't know. The Giants beat him 10-7. to in one of the saddest uh, weekend displays of offensive football. The Sadness Bowl itself, however, uh, Titans-Panthers. Panthers have since fired Frank Wright. Uh, I gave my tickets away, my season tickets to the Titans, to uh, my brother-in-law and to my sister 
and I felt like I should be paying them to go watch this game. We were out of town. Uh, We listened to this game on the radio, and as bad as this game was on television, I can probably let you know, worse on radio to listen to. Titans win 17-10, Panthers, Bryce Young. Look, here's the deal. If we were going back and redrafting, I think the reason why Frank Reich got fired is ultimately because Bryce Young has played such a poor level of football through the first half of this season. Maybe somebody is going to be able to fix him in the offseason. They're going to get the right hire. But I don't think it's just Bryce Young. As is often the case, it's not just how your guy does. It's how your guy does compared to the other guy that you thought about taking instead of him. C.J. Stroud at two has been the unquestioned rookie of the year. Bryce Young has not looked like he is worthy of a first-round draft pick. And even against a mediocre Titan defense, that still held true. And now, remember, the Panthers have already given up their first-round pick. The Bears have it. And so there needed to be, I think, in the mind of owner David Tepper, someone to bear the consequences for this poor performance for the Panthers sitting at uh, 1-9 and nine, uh, now, 1-10, sorry, on the season. Uh, and this was the result. It was Frank Rice getting fired uh, the third straight year that we have seen a NFL coach fired before he finishes his first year. Uh, Urban Meyer, uh, Denver Broncos coach last year, Nathaniel Hackett, and now uh, we are seeing the Carolina Panthers lose their uh, lose their head coach. And I think it's a reaction to how poorly Bryce Young has played. The Rams, give credit to Sean McVay. Rams felt like they were dead Felt like they were finished. They're starting to get a little bit more healthy. They fought their way back to five and six. Took down the Cardinals. Cardinals are another one of those teams that it looks like maybe in the quarterback derby. But they gave a lot of money to Kyler Murray. So how is that going to reconcile itself given the guaranteed cash that Kyler Murray has already gotten as the Cardinals continue to lose? Broncos, Sean Payton, went from, oh my goodness, he can't win anything to bouncing back and taking down the Cleveland Browns. Browns, of course, without Deshaun Watson. The Broncos have fought their way back to 6-5. and Pretty solid defense. Russell Wilson, comeback player of the year. If it wasn't going to be won by DeMar Hamlin, who almost died on the field, in terms of a player who is actually on the field on a day-in and day-out basis making plays, I think you can argue Russell Wilson basically would deserve Comeback player of the year after how awful he looked last year. He has fought his way back. Chiefs get the win over the Raiders. Raiders go up 14-0. They don't have the horses. Patrick Mahomes and company still the class of the AFC West. And I think you would be hard-pressed even with the fact that the Chiefs receivers cannot catch the ball. Chris Christie last week, Wednesday, said to me he didn't think he could have gotten open but he would have caught the ball that Valdez Scanling dropped. Um, Again, to his credit, said he wouldn't have gotten open, but he would have made the catch that he dropped that cost them that game uh, against the Eagles last week. Bills-Eagles game of the week uh, goes into overtime. Eagles find a way to get the win. Josh Allen and company, talented at times, also really poor at times. Hard to feel like the Bills, even though they have a lot of talent at the quarterback spot, as they sit at 6-6, and are very likely to make a run. Ravens, you can argue, are the best team right now in the AFC. Uh, Lamar Jackson playing at a very high high level. They're going to miss Mark Andrews, who was a security blanket for several years at tight end, who is out for a substantial period of time, probably the rest of the season. Ravens get the win over the Wobegon Chargers, who cannot find a way to string together wins. Brandon Staley, head coach there, 
definitely on the hot seat. We'll see what happens with him. And last night, full disclosure, I did not see this game because I was sitting, some of you may have seen, uh, ringside with my family for WWE Raw. But I know that Josh Dobbs threw four interceptions, played poorly. Anytime the Bears find a way to win, you know that you played poorly. Justin Fields auditioning for a next job as it is very likely that the Bears will be drafting their quarterback of the future, probably Caleb Williams, number one overall based on how things are shaking out. That is my quick run through everything that happened uh, in the NFL week that was. I mentioned that I was at WWE uh, Raw last night. Awesome time. My kids, I was a big fan of WWF back in the day. Loved Macho Man, Hulk Hogan, uh, Coco Beware, uh, Ravishing Rick Rude, uh, Jimmy Superfly Snooka. My kids watched all of the old school wrestling. Ricky the Dragon Steamboat was my middle, uh, my seventh grader's favorite wrestler. My wife is a big wrestling fan, went to WrestleMania three. We sat ringside next to Jelly Roll. Uh, so uh, so uh, I'd, I'd not met Jelly Roll before, but he was great with my kids. Um, and uh, he was involved in the main event match last night um, and ended up in a, uh, in a shoving match with, uh, with the, uh, the, the, the people that were in that final, uh, in that final fight. And, uh, I thought in general, Randy Orton, I was looking up how old he was. He's back in the WWE as is CM Punk. Randy Orton is 43 years old and somehow more ripped than any 43 year old has ever been in the history of, uh, of manhood. Um, and, uh, he was awesome. A lot of fun to watch him. He's been around for a long time coming back from an injury. So thanks to the WWE, uh, kids got to meet a lot of their wrestlers and uh, those wrestlers were all uniformly fantastic to them. Uh, Many of those wrestlers, by the way, live in the Nashville area. Uh, I was talking to a few of them uh, about uh, about that. A lot of the guys are OutKick fans and or uh, listen to the radio shows over the year. So it's, uh, it's fun to hang out with those guys. We'll be right back. Got to take a little break here. We are rolling without kicking. You don't want to miss a moment. Stay tuned. Um, All right. Let's get into some other stories. I mentioned that I wanted to talk about this. Uh, There's a story that Deadspin wrote, and some of you will uh, have seen this story. A guy at Deadspin wrote a story about a, it looks like an elementary school kid. I don't think the kid has been officially identified. Eight, nine, ten-year-old kid uh, around the age of my youngest, I would say, wore a headdress and painted his face half black, half red. Well, when the, uh, when the picture went up on television, Deadspin immediately jumped all over it and treated it as an awful uh, representation of racism and saying, oh my goodness, can you believe that somebody would be wearing blackface and this is unacceptable and there have to be consequences? This was the headline. The NFL needs to speak out against the Kansas City Chiefs fan in blackface native headdress. So the picture they used only showed one side of the kid's face. One side was black, the other side was red. Uh, And he was wearing a, I believe, Travis Kelsey Chiefs jersey. Uh, And again, it's the Kansas City Chiefs and he was wearing a traditional Indian Native American headdress. Again, eight, nine, ten-year-old kid. Let me just start here, because I got three boys. Uh, I've got a 15-year-old, I got a 13-year-old, I've got a nine-year-old. And I say this as somebody who is in the process of raising kids. If you are a grown person, and you are in media, 
and you make a child the bad guy and demand that there be consequences for something that a child did, you are the bad guy, not the kid, period. Okay? So this writer is the bad guy here. He is in a position of power, writing on the internet for a site that evidently still has readers. I don't know who those readers are, but evidently they exist. I think they're relatively few in number. Way fewer in number than when I was an editor there like 15 years ago, which is tough to do, to have less audience now on the internet than you had 15 years ago. But that's what Deadspin's managed to do. Um, They have no, uh, you know, when I was there, it was a site that was engaged in frivolity and fun. Now it is the constant finger-wagging scolds of the internet. Um, If you are picking on a kid as an adult in an article that you write on the internet and you are using that kid's photo and you are demanding that there be some punishment for that kid from the NFL or from a team, you are the bad guy. But I just want to crystallize where we are right now with left-wingers in sports. Think about this for a minute. Left-wingers in sports believe that a kid who dresses up as a uh, costume supporting his favorite sports team in elementary school is a bad guy and the league needs to take action against him. Kid in costume, unacceptable. Grown man who decides that he is a woman and competes for a women's championship, not only acceptable, heroic and courageous. I would just ask you, how do you reconcile that if you have a functional brain? Kid dressed up in Native American gear to support his favorite football team, the Kansas City Chiefs, the NFL must take action, the Kansas City Chiefs must take action against him in some form of punitive fashion. Man, who is grown, dresses up like a woman, pretends that he is a woman, enters into women's athletic competition, wins a women's championship, that is to be praised, that is heroic and courageous. I would submit to you that that is one billion percent sign that your brain is broken. Uh, That is where we are. Also, also I think this is significant. To me, the reaction to this individual's article has further encouraged me that the woke era of sports is collapsing. Even people who are on the left, the far left, and disagree with me, the sanest person in the history of sports media, even people who disagree with me are looking at this and saying, yeah, we're getting it wrong. And let me just come back. I've been arguing this for years. And I think we're starting to win a lot more of these battles. Intent matters. Intent matters in all facets of life. If you murder someone intentionally, you are treated to a higher penalty under first-degree murder than if you are driving too fast and someone walks in front of your car and you happen to hit them. Our society understands there is a difference between driving on the road and accidentally hitting someone and intentionally taking their life. And I've been arguing for a long time that our society should recognize the difference between adult actions and kid actions. And I think many people are starting to understand that. 
You can rob a store at 16 years old and they wipe clean your whole history because we believe that adults should not be judged by the knucklehead decisions they made as kids. Yet, on the internet, if you posted something when you were 14 years old and it's rap lyrics and you later end up being a star athlete and they go back and they find it, it's a huge story, I I just think it should be the same uh, policy. Rational thought, kids should be held to kid standards, adult to adult standards. And intent matters everywhere, right? Posting the lyrics to a rap song that you like is different than insulting someone with a racial slur. Dressing up as your favorite uh, team fan is different than wearing blackface, right? This is like intent matters. This kid's intent was not to do anything other than to celebrate the fact that he's a kid and he's rooting for his favorite team. And I'm cautiously encouraged that a lot of people are suddenly having rational thought and they're looking at this and they're saying, yeah, this ain't it. Going after a kid is unacceptable in this form and fashion. I want to tell you right now, uh, look, it's getting crazier and crazier out there. Every week, what do we talk about? More and more chaos, economic concerns. You don't really know what's going on. Cost of living through the roof. Interest rates are high. Fed keeps printing money. Uh, Dollars getting uh, challenged all across the globe. What do you want that is going to provide some stability? How about gold? Long history is a safe haven for investors who want to preserve their wealth and hedge against economic and global uncertainties, just like we're experiencing today. That's why now is the time to educate yourself about gold, and I recommend that you call my friends at Lear Capital. 25 years of experience, thousands of five-star reviews, 24-hour risk-free purchase guarantee. Lear is who you can trust when you want to buy gold. Give them a call, 800-741-0551. You can also go to learclay.com. They're gold and silver specialists, great to talk with. They'll answer your questions. And for a limited time, you can get up to $15,000 in gold or silver bonuses with qualified purchases. Again, the number 741 0551, 800 741 0551, Uh, All right, a couple of other uh, stories that are out there. The Koch uh, Foundation has decided that they are going to pour their tens of millions of dollars behind Nikki Haley uh, instead of supporting Ron DeSantis as an alternative to Donald Trump. Question for all of you out there to contemplate. If we have a split decision in Iowa and New Hampshire, January 15th and January 28th, that is if DeSantis wins in Iowa and Haley wins in New Hampshire, which if you look at the polling right now, does not feel like it is a crazy potential outcome. Isn't Donald Trump the massive beneficiary here? I'm not an expert in math, but I just keep looking at the math and saying, okay, if you support Ron DeSantis right now, if Ron DeSantis left the race, who would you support instead? I think it's Donald Trump. I think most Ron DeSantis supporters would end up supporting Donald Trump. I think that's why it's been so 
conflict-laden, uh, the, 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 the battle between DeSantis and Trump has been in many ways so nasty so far. I think most Nikki Haley supporters are anti-Trump, and I think they begrudgingly would go to Ron DeSantis. The only question that matters in the Republican primary right now is this. Even if we ended up in a 1v1, and it's Nikki Haley versus Trump or it's Ron DeSantis versus Trump, do either of those candidates, because Vivek's out and Chris Christie's out in terms of being a clear number two option, can either Nikki Haley or Ron DeSantis garner greater than 50% support head-to-head against Donald Trump? That's the only question. If the answer is no, this thing's over and it doesn't matter at all all of the different machinations that are going to come about over the next couple of months. If the answer is yes, they can manage to get to 50% against him, then we've got an actual Republican primary race and there remains some uncertainty. Now, my general thought is that DeSantis, Nikki Haley, and Trump, as well as Vivek, would all beat Joe Biden in the 2024 election, presuming Biden's going to be the nominee, which I don't think he will. I think Democrats are going to change at the last minute at their convention. But if you are picking between Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis, I think Ron DeSantis is more likely to get to 50% plus one because I think his supporters would otherwise vote Trump, whereas I think Nikki Haley's supporters would otherwise go to Donald uh, go to Ron DeSantis. Does that make sense? If you just think about the math, one of the challenges that occurred in 2015, 2016, people said, well, once it gets to 1v1, Trump's going to lose. Well, that wasn't true because a lot of the support of the other candidates, their second choice ended up being Trump. So even if you get to a 1v1, and maybe we'll get there after New Hampshire, are the votes there to potentially end up with uh, more support for Nikki Haley or Ron DeSantis. I think DeSantis probably would have a better chance of that. Uh, all right, a couple of other stories, and then I got to hop on Fox News uh, with Martha McCollum. Um, Sports Illustrated, according to a story, allegedly using AI articles, that's artificial intelligence articles, making up writers. Uh, Sports Illustrated, to my knowledge, has claimed this was a third party that was doing this. My take on this in general is by and large, we have seen a devaluation in individual writers on the internet over the last decade or so. Why? Because much of the traffic that arises for different websites is Google, Facebook, or Twitter, less than it used to be. Much of that is not connected to individual brands. It's generic search-related, social-related content. I'm not surprised that a business would choose to do this. I'm surprised that it took this long for people to recognize that Sports Illustrated was doing this. I'm old enough to remember. I always like to make jokes about this with you guys. I'm old enough to remember listening to a game on the radio, not because I was in the car, but because I wasn't able to see it on television. I'm old enough to remember going to get a newspaper to see who won a game and genuinely not knowing. Um, 
you couldn't just pull you. I remember my first friend who had a phone that could get scores on it. It was like he suddenly realized how to set fire. Uh, you know, we discovered the wheel or we discovered how to uh, how to make fire. Um, you could look at your phone and just see whatever the game was. Remember when you were at a game, they used to announce the games or scroll them on the scoreboard and they were like two hours behind. Suddenly you could see what actually happened in those games. I can't even imagine gambling back in the day uh, when you didn't know whether you won or lost bets that you placed until you got the morning newspaper and went through to see who won or set and watched uh, local news to see what was going to happen there. Um, but I am surprised a bit that we have progressed so quickly from the SI brand being the gold standard. You go to your mailbox, you talk with your friends, you could have a topic about it on talk radio. Who's SI going to put on the cover of the magazine? It was a big deal. And you would read that magazine. A lot of times people would read it cover to cover. It was a huge deal to see who was going to be the, on the cover of SI. Some of you will remember the Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue might as well have been a national holiday for 13-year-olds. It was incredible to get in your mailbox in January or February. Nowadays, the SI brand is basically non-existent. And it's because they farmed out a lot of the writing to this sort of... Uh, larger scale content farm and as a result the brand has vanished branding is hard building a brand is hard it's not difficult at all to try to chase the google algorithm or to try to get facebook to like your generic article that everybody else has already written and i believe the future of the internet is moving away from this sort of quantity concept and moving back towards a quality mindset. Now, the question is, are the ad dollars there to support it? What SI is basically saying is writers don't matter. All we have to do is get as much quantity up on our site as possible, and we'll end up profiting. But in the meantime, are you destroying whatever is left of the brand that SI built over decades? I think the answer is yes. And I spend a lot of time talking about the OutKick brand and what it represents because I know it. Justice Potter Stewart style uh, asked about obscenity. I believe it was Potter Stewart said, I know it when I see it. I know what fits the OutKick brand instantaneously. What is the SI brand? I, I, again, OutKick brand, smart, original, funny, and authentic. Boom, we're good to go. Uh, college football gambling picks. You know what? I'm going to save these for tomorrow because I got to get off here uh, and uh, and flip over and do Fox News. And I'm also tomorrow going to talk more about Hunter Biden agreeing to testify potentially, but he wants to set his own conditions. What does that mean? How will that be discussed? And what could it lead to? I'll put all that in context tomorrow. I'm flagging this to make sure uh, that I bring up these two topics tomorrow uh, and get to them. I believe the college football gambling picks and the NFL picks, for those of you who are degenerates, are already up uh, on the internet. Uh, you can search my name at OutKick. Boom, you can grab them. You'll be good to go there. All right, I love all of you. I'll be on with Martha McCollum in 10 minutes on Fox News. You can flip over that and check that out. In the meantime, DBAP unless you need to SBAP. I'm Clay Travis. This has been OutKick, the show.